Three, two, one. Welcome to the David the Dog Trainer podcast, episode seventy-one. What's good? <laughs> I don't know. Not much. How about you? Living the dream. <laughs> yeah, same. So, um, it's interesting. Josh and I were just having a conversation before we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been getting a lot of. Is it, it sounds so stupid calling it like fan mail? It's not fan mail, right? But it's like a lot of uh, a lot of response to the podcast lately, right? Yeah. We used to get, I mean, you know, obviously a lot of the people I think when we first started this, like even the first year of doing it, were clients of mine, you know, people that I knew, stuff like that, right? That were, you know, whatever they they listened, right? They liked our work that we did, and they you know saw this as another avenue to continue learning about the stuff that we do, right? Yep. As of lately, right, last six months, seven months, something like that, um, whether we had it or not before, people have been getting much more vocal that I don't know that are not clients of ours that are just finding the podcast and listening to it. And it's interesting because, you know, especially in the last couple of months, I would say, I would say we've been hitting a little bit more sensitive of topics lately, right? And the response has been mixed, right? Like there have been some of these videos we've done lately um, talking about things that I don't like in the dog training community, right? Things that certain trainers are doing, stuff like that. And, you know, there have definitely been some people that have come out and been like, fuck you, David, you're being an asshole, this, that, blah, 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 right? Yeah. We talked about this last time, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side, right, I think because we're hitting more sensitive topics, right, I think because we're talking about more serious of issues, because mm-hmm. we're talking about more serious of issues in the industry as a whole, I've been getting a freaking ridiculous amount of messages from people Mm -hmm. um, just appreciating that there's somebody talking about that kind of stuff. You know, I think it gets very easy. I think there's, I think there's a time and a place for people to like, quote unquote, like stay in their lane with things, you Mm -hmm. know, and kind of do their work and stuff like that. Right. But I do think that uh, as this dog training climate is changing so rapidly, right, and mm-hmm. and there's so many different camps and, and ideologies and methods and stuff like that, I think it's important for people to talk about it, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's been really cool, man. We've been getting some really, really fantastic messages that we'll, uh, you know, we'll get into to reading some yeah. of them, obviously, at some point and, and discussing them and all that kind of stuff. But that's been really cool. Those, yeah. are, those have been well, some awesome things. I feel things. like there's not... <clears throat> there are not a lot of people that do that, that talk about these issues. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the way it's talked about is important as well, right? Exactly. You know, like we talked about the last time, right? Like I I, I try to the best of my abilities, right, to like if I am going to talk about something I don't like about with somebody, try to pay respect for the things that they have done for the industry as well, you yep. know? And keeping in mind that none of this is, is digs towards any individual people necessarily, yep. right? It's simply talking about some of the, uh, the, the topics, right? Yep. So whatever. So uh, I want to, I got a message last night from somebody um, and I want to go over it. I, I just glanced through it, so I don't know exactly what it's about, um, but I do want to read it, obviously, and answer it um, from uh, Elena. Um, and then in addition to that, we have a cool uh, email that I got from somebody that we're going to go over today that's got a bunch of questions. It's somebody that's working on like a... Uh, I think it's like some sort of school project or something, and they're using dogs as their topic, and they wanted to um, get our insight into it. Oh, cool. So we'll start with this message here. So the message says, Hi, David. Hope this message finds you well. I've been listening to the David the Dog Trainer podcast for at least a year now. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and continuing to make the show. I listened to episode 68 today with Jeff Gelman, and you said something that made me really want to reach out. With all the information out there on different training methods, I'm very confused on how to proceed with training my own dog. 
She is an anxious, excited, fear-aggressive pit bull. I believe I manage her problem behaviors very well. Her major issues have been addressed, but I always feel like if her behavior was better, she could interact more with the world and have a more fulfilling life. I just have so many questions about whether or not she wants to interact with the world more, how tools can help her overcome fear, and where to even start. Anyway, I suppose I'm seeking advice or any recommendations for resources. Just wanted to reach out just in case you're able to offer any suggestions. I consider dog training one of my favorite hobbies and enjoy learning about animal behavior. I do have a basic understanding of dog training concepts and try to learn as much as I can on my own as I'm just a regular person on a tight budget. Thanks again. Also, I love when you said people come first. I see so many people with reactive dogs in real life and on the internet who have given up so much in life to care for their dogs. I am not that person, and I'm struggling to figure out what types of training are best for my lifestyle and fit my dog's needs. Mm. Was, that's amazing. First of all, thank you for the long-time support. That long time? A, I know. It's over a year. Here. That feels so good, you know? It's like that affirmation that what we're doing is like... Yeah, it's resonating. Helping people, yeah, it's resonating. So, so here's the thing, right? So that we'll address this kind of like piece by piece here because there's a lot of things, and we're only going to get to, we're only going to be able to get so deep into this because she didn't really go into detail as far as the issues that she's having, obviously. Yeah. So this is going to have to be just kind of a broad answer to it, and then um, to Elena, I believe that's how you say her name. Um, if you send us some more insight as far as like what specifically is going on with your dog, we could answer that further, obviously, for mm-hmm. you, or at least pro- try to provide a better answer for you from there, right? So here's the thing, right? We're going to kind of go backwards from here with this, right? So first thing, obviously, she said at the end, you know, she loved when we said people come first because she sees so many people with reactive dogs in real life on the internet who have given up so much in life to care for their dogs. Man, is that like... Like, like such a, such a important statement, right? Because this is where you truly get into why all of the other things are important conversations to have and why things have gotten so confusing lately, right? Yeah. Again, there are trainers out there that say things like, you know, basically, uh, uh, you know, anything you do other than the absolute best things possible for the dog is you just being lazy kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And... I get it, right? Like, I I do get it, right? Like, I do get why, you know, we want to always be looking out for the best interests of our dog, right? And that's Mm -hmm. very important, right? We have to be looking out for the best interests of the dog, obviously, right? But in the end of the day, right, dogs have been domesticated to live in our world. Yes. You know what I mean? And if you look at, like, the process of domestication, right, dogs have needed to adapt to our lifestyle over the course of, what, centuries, at this point, whatever you want, you know, however long it's been, right? And I feel like we're forgetting that that's how this progression happened. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We have incorporated dogs into our lifestyle to help enhance our lives, Mm -hmm. right? Now, I think people have gotten too far with that sometimes when you get into the projection of human emotions on things and you get into, as the world is continuing to shift to being more and more and more and more Mm dog-friendly, that a lot of these dogs are showing that, like, they haven't adapted to that extent of the lifestyle, but in the end of the day, we still got dogs, right? I went and got a dog 
to enhance the things that I'm currently doing in my life, right? Mm -hmm. To make my life better, yep. right? So with that in mind, right, anytime you're dealing with dogs that have reactivity issues, that have aggression issues, that have really serious problematic behaviors, even stuff as simple as, let's say, a really wild, out-of-control dog that just, like, jumps all over your guests and pulls things off your counter and destroys your furniture, right, and all of this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. right? Yes, we could sit there and we could be like, well, the dog doesn't know any better, right? Yeah. And and we need to teach them and this and that. And, and there's truth to that, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a delicate conversation because, like, there is truth to that, right? Like, it's up to us to manage the situation and not put the dog in, in scenarios to fail, obviously. But at some point, we have to realize that because our needs do kind of come first in this equation, mm -hmm. that is going to impact the training that we do, yep. right? Again, take jumping for an example and stealing furniture, right? Sure, I could spend a year, right, trying to counter condition my dog to jumping and, you know, be all like, well, he doesn't know any better, so so I need to teach them, and I'm going to teach alternative behaviors and this and that, and I could play this, like, crazy long game with things, oh, right? Yeah. But all that means is that for however long it takes for me to work through that problem in that manner, which... Regardless of if you can actually do it or not, it's probably going to be a fairly long or difficult process. Yeah. Um, that means for that entire time, you're going to be inhibiting your dog's ability to enjoy its life with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. If my dog freaks out and jumps all over my guests every time they come over the house, right? I'm not going to be able to have my dog out while guests come over. No. Plain and simple, right? If my dog freaks out at every dog that it sees out on the walk and every squirrel that it sees out on the walk and it tries to run away, um, you know, anytime I let it out in the backyard if I don't have a fenced in backyard, right? And I can't get a handle on those behaviors. I can't take my dog for walks. Or if I can take my dog for walks, they're not going to be enjoyable walks for anybody, yeah. right? If I don't have a fenced in yard, right? I'm not going to be able to go outside with my dog and let them burn off energy and be a dog, right? Mm -hmm. If they're going to be chasing everything that they see, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. And yes, again, I'm not saying that you can't hypothetically train your dog to be more reliable over time using rewards only, you know, and, and taking a, a softer approach with things and stuff like that. But because of the time constraint that it's going to take, that's that much longer that nobody's going to be able to enjoy their dog. Right. Yeah. And their dog is going to be living this restricted life because of that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a hard, that's kind of the hard conversation with this is like, I would prefer with jumping to be able to stop it in 24 hours by just correcting for the behavior and then be able to have my dog be a part of all of those scenarios and realize how enjoyable it is to be out in all those scenarios. Yeah. Right. I want to stop my dog's reactivity, stop my dog's pulling on a leash so that I can go take my dog for really, really long, fulfilling, enjoyable walks, mm -hmm. right? I want to be able to let my dog off leash in fields, right? And let them just freaking run, you know, and, and chase a ball and like do yeah. all those kinds of things and trust they're going to come back to me so that I can go do those things more and we can go for off leash hikes and stuff with it. Exactly. Right. And you get into the risk reward of like, okay, cool. Uh, 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 you know, a one second correction that sucks that the dog hates, right? For the the year of extra time, I'm gonna be able to enjoy my dog for. Yeah, man, I just like I I don't get why there's such a debate on it. You know, know what I mean? And I'm and again, I'm I'm clarifying. I'm not saying you can't train the way you want to train, right? Mm -hmm. I think everybody should train in a way that makes them happy, right? Yeah, and train in a way that accomplishes the goals that they have. 
that are going to make them feel like they can enjoy their dog the best, right? But all those things I just described are things that 90% of dog owners out there want to be able to do, and they want to be able to do them quickly, right? Yeah. And if you can't accomplish those goals with your dog, or if it's going to take you a year, two years, three years in order to accomplish those goals with your dog, is that really... Is that really in the best interest of the dog and in the best mm. interest of you? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. So, so, so people come first, yes. Not more so when I say that. I'm talking about aggression issues and stuff like that, where like you <clears throat> yeah. have to factor in like people's safety with things and stuff. Is is more so what I mean with that? But mm-hmm. also, the dogs still also hold priority. It's just by implementing certain methods with things, it makes it easier for me, right? Mm-hmm. Following that, people come first, kind of principle so that yeah. I can enjoy my dog better, which allows them to enjoy their life better. Yep. You know what I mean? hundred percent. What's your opinion on all that? I agree wholeheartedly with you. Um, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I, I mean, we, we kind of touched on that multiple times, but it's just the value that you'll, your dog will get from the benefits of, of all of that. I mean, it's just, it's a no brainer to me, Yep. you know? Hundred <clears throat> percent. Yeah, I don't know. You 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 hit all that. That was that was that's a clip. That's a clip right there. Yeah, it's you know, <laughs> and, and and it's kind of all over the place because like you know, it's it's just like we're we're failing to realize like we're continuing to move more and more and more and more towards like again like dogs are here for our enjoyment. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and it, and it sounds it sounds dickly, right? It sounds like <laughs> it sounds like I'm being like an asshole by saying that, like I don't care yeah. about dogs. But that's not the case, right? I love all of my dogs. I say yeah. that all the time, right? And my dogs love me, mm-hmm. right? But in the end of the day, right, they need to adapt to my lifestyle, right? I can't. Yeah. We can't have people out there that are shifting their entire life yeah. around their dog. No. You know what I mean? Because that's not, it's not benefiting anybody. There's, there's like, no. there's going to be resentment somewhere from something. You yeah. know what I mean? And nobody's going to be enjoying things to the fullest. And I see these pages sometimes, like on Instagram and stuff, where it's like, and, and whatever, you know, it, a lot of times it is like force free uh, uh, advocates and stuff like that that I see these posts from, but I'm sure it comes from both ends, right? Yeah. And I see pages that are dedicated to like, my journey with a fear aggressive dog, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. It'll be this person that, like, their whole life, right? Like, this page has been around for fucking ever, you know, years. They post things every single day. Their whole life is just going out with the sole purpose of trying to fix these reactivity issues and never getting anywhere with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's the behavior is clearly still there. We'll see people even in their titles, like in the captions. It'll be like, whatever, dog's name, Zoe. And then it'll be like in parentheses, like, fear aggressive dog aggressive reactive right it's like it's like we're turning our identity with our dogs into i have a really bad dog (laughs) yeah it's 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 kind of it's weird i don't Mm -hmm. know you know like that's not how like training doesn't work that way you know what i mean like if you're training your dog properly you should get past these problems yeah. Right. And we'll get more into detail as far as like, again, getting into realistic expectations with things and where the responsibility does fall on the owner. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you're finding yourself two years into training, three years into training and, and you're and, and you're saying like, you know, it's going to take you that long until you gain any sort of control around your dog. Like with these types of things, it's like, God, like what? Like what kind of life is that? Like a, <laughs> I, that's terrible. That's so much responsibility, mm-hmm. right? So much responsibility. And then getting into the the polar other extreme of it, right? Like I've had clients before 
<clears throat> who have had dogs with really crazy serious human aggression issues, mm-hmm. right? And and dogs that require a lot of management in order to keep them successful with things, you know? And and you know those dogs, the owners will be they'll do a phenomenal job with with managing these issues, mm-hmm. right? But it requires so much work from the owner. So much work, yeah. right? Jesus Christ. I was blowing up here. <laughs> I got to keep it flipped over. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it requires so much work from them all the time. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and again, it's it's you've they've kind of like shifted their mentality. I think one time, like Emily, when she was on here, said the the was it the Munchheisers, fucking the, you know what yeah, I, you know syndrome or, syndrome or whatever it is, where people kind of like in their head like to like keep their dog sick, you yeah. know, yeah, or keep their their human or whatever it is sick, right? Yep. You know, people will create this identity. Of like, I have the bad dog, right? Because mm-hmm. they've kind of lost hope in working through things, yeah, right, or 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 whatever, right. And these people will manage it for the remainder of the dog's life. The dog will die a natural, you know what I mean? Like they don't get euthanized or anything like that because yeah. of behavioral issues. Because they've managed it really well, right? The dog just dies, and it's it's interesting. I'll see the shift where it's like right after that happens, it's like. <laughs> yeah and it's not even it's not even funny you know what i mean it's just I like know. it's it's just like wow you know it's like they can yeah. breathe yeah you know what i mean it's How like it's like that? they realize that because they've lived with these serious problematic behaviors right <clears throat> and these dogs that that are just poorly behaved and stuff like that for so long they've just carried all this tension right yeah. And it's like, finally, oh, my God, like, like they could just loosen up a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And then they get their next dog, right? Yeah. And their next dog is a fucking cakewalk, yeah. you know? And good for them. They deserve that cakewalk of a dog yeah. after after what they needed to do to keep their last dog successful, yeah. right? And, and it's like they start realizing, like, what it's like to just have a well-behaved dog, <laughs> to have a dog that doesn't try to bite your guests that yeah. doesn't get into dog fights that doesn't react on a leash all the time right mm-hmm. that doesn't um um need to be put in another room anytime somebody comes over because they just have no fucking control over the dog yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. like like they just realize like wow like this is this is what it's like to own a dog yeah you know what i mean and that's where i where i'm kind of coming kind of coming with this is that's where i see the light bulb kind of go off in their head as far as the understanding that this is what it should be like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm not I'm not putting down people that want to, you know, have dogs that are like really aggressive, right? Or people that um want to take the long and slow approach and they have these dogs that they're kind of branding as reactive and 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 kind mm-hmm. of in their mind probably never going to get fully past the problem and this and that and need to manage yeah. them forever. I'm not downing that, right? Like like I said, I care that people are happy, right? Yeah. And if you're okay with that and you're happy with that, that's fine, mm-hmm. right? But I do think that all of these people eventually will hit a point, right, where where whether they shift their training approach and realize how much further they can get with things, mm-hmm. right? Or uh, when that dog passes in the future and they get another dog that's just a lot easier, yeah. I think that light bulb will go off a little bit more as far as if I just could have gotten my dog to this point earlier on we would have lived such a better life with each other yeah regardless of if that meant that i needed to be a lot more firm on them over things yeah. if i needed to get a lot more respect out of them over things i think that light bulb will start going off with people yeah you no, know for sure 
Um, on, go ahead. Sorry. I just, just one more point on that because yeah. again, I'm I'm kind of going all over the place. Here. This is just the way my brain works with this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> um, one more point with this. Now, again, there are realistic expectations with certain things. I'm not saying if you take a balanced training approach that all of those issues will just disappear. Yeah. Like there are some dogs, and this is where she was saying the people come first conversation. This typically, this conversation comes into play with dogs that have serious human aggression issues because there's always limitations as far as how far they will get with those types of things. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. But I think for the vast majority of other people that have quote unquote human aggressive dogs or dog reactive dogs and this and that, it's just that they haven't taken a proper enough training approach to get past those issues. And 90% of those dogs can make such substantial progress with things where it becomes like you have that easy dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. Um, Actually, you know, a couple of friends of mine, they got their dog their second dog into training because their first dog was, I mean, had some neurological issues, but they couldn't take the dog anywhere. Nobody could come over. They were always fearful about what this dog would do. And then they got their second dog and then the first dog passed away. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of that like, okay, you know, we love that dog, but now it's like we, we have some, that breathing room. But then they started noticing that, the second dog was kind of going along the same lines, so they got the training. And now they're so happy that they got the training because they were so worried that it was going to revert back to, well, we can't have people over anymore. We can't take him down, you know, down the street, you know, on like on a walk. And now they can do that. Yeah. So it's – and, I mean, just, just, just from their point of view talking to us, it's like – literally the best thing that ever happened to them for their dog and their selves, mm-hmm. you know, cause they don't have this weird, you know, like in the back, I mean like feeling trapped and enclosed because they have to, like you said, live around their dog, you know, mm-hmm. well, we can't do this. So we, we just got to stay home or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, we can't have friends over or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's such a benefit to take care of that problem and have that, freedom with your dog mm-hmm. and for your own sanity because yeah i mean nine ten years with a, a, a dog that you have to like be so careful with and you have no control over it's just it's tough dude and and it's it's yeah it's it's you know it's one of those things where that's kind of just the reality of some of these situations right um i think that I think that's the conversation everybody needs to have with herself about stuff is instead of looking at things so much like, you know, again, oh, you know, maybe something happened to the dog before, you know, this is why they're doing this behavior, this and that. Mm -hmm. If this dog is going to live a fulfilled life, right, we have to get him as far past these issues as we can. Exactly. Right. And again, there will be caps on some of those things. You're only going to get it so far sometimes. Yeah. Right. Um, But. It's your obligation, regardless of, again, why the dog is rehearsing some of the behaviors oh, that they're yeah. rehearsing, to get them as far past those things as possible, because that's the only way they're going to live a good life. Yeah. You know? We hear a lot, like, uh, people will ask, well, if I use an e-collar with my dog, or I use a prong collar with my dog, and they're fearful, it's like, aren't I going to make it worse, mm-hmm. right? And aren't I going to just make the problem, like, 10 times worse, because I'm adding more fear to the equation? It's just like... 
you know, those people are, are, are thinking that by not applying the corrections and by not stopping the behaviors, we're keeping the dog happy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like the dog isn't happy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If this dog is like living in fear right now and yeah. acting out because of fear and these like aggressive manners or reactive manners and stuff, by not doing anything, we're just allowing the dog to sit in this torturous headspace of being just, just petrified of stuff around them. True. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And me adding a one second correction into things that is not fun for the dog, but inhibits that response that they may have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's adding one additional second of fear, right. Into the equation on top of them already being scared. But Mm -hmm. then as soon as you do it and you inhibit that behavior, you open up their whole world to like understanding that I don't have to act in this way. You know, I don't have to get into this adrenalized headspace when I'm scared, which then progressively makes the behavior worse. Yeah. Right. I could resort to something else. Right. And I could slow them down a little bit. And then from there, they could start experiencing the world in a less amped up state of mind and start realizing it's just not so bad. Yeah. And that's what we happen with. That's what we see happen with these like fearful dogs all the time over and over and over and over again, you Mm -hmm. know, is that we they're scared. Right. And they're acting out because they're scared, right? And then we punish the behavior and we stop the behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it may be, right? The reactivity, typically speaking, in these cases, right? Mm-hmm. And then because they don't get themselves to this like level 11 state of mind, then what happens is they're around the dog and they're like, oh man, I can't react and 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 act defensively in this situation. So I'm just going to kind of avoid a little bit. And the dog passes by and they realize for the first time, wait, I didn't do anything, and the dog still went away and nothing bad happened. Yeah. Right. And that's like the light bulb moment going off in their head. Yeah. And then the next time it happens again, they're like, wait, I'm, I'm a little nervous. Oh, wait, nothing happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and yeah. then each time it gets like easier and easier and easier for them. And that's really where the confidence starts to build. It's like yeah. Jeff said in the podcast that she was referring to, you know, it's like the correction is the first step of the equation. Right. Yeah. Everybody wants to know how to stop the behavior first. That's how we stop the behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you have to spend the time letting the dog kind of overcome their issues and stuff. Yeah. So whatever. Good, good, good chat there. So moving on yeah. to the next part of this question here. So she has a dog. Um, she's confused about with training methods, right? She's confused how to proceed with training her dog. She has an anxious, excited, fear, aggressive pit bull. Uh, she believes he manages the problem behaviors very well. Her major issues have been addressed, but I always feel like if her behavior was better, she could interact more with the world uh, and have a more fulfilling life. So here's the thing, right? We need to know where the problems still are. So what's holding you back from having her interact with the world more, right? Mm -hmm. If you feel like you've overcome the problems, that's fantastic, obviously. Yeah. What problems are remaining? Yeah. You know what I mean? I did a session yesterday with somebody, and she came in, and she did a board and train elsewhere, right? And she came in, and she's like, yeah, the dog listens and, you know, does really well with everything, right? And she had fear reactivity and this and that and dogs no longer doing any of those things she's like but like i want to like i feel like i need more engagement and i was like what's what's the issue yeah (laughs) right like and we literally sat there for probably like 10 minutes and we kind of went back and forth i was like i i i truly don't understand like what where's the problems you know what i mean like where do you feel like there's an issue. Yeah, <laughs> you know right? what I mean? Like, like I watch her work the dog. Like the, the dog looked good with everything. The dog was responding to things. But in her mind, 
because, again, what we kind of rooted this back to was because she sees all these videos and pictures online of people with their dogs mm. that are out there like 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 Malinois doing these like super engaged uh. freaking crazy shit and looking so pumped up while they're working and stuff like that. And her dog's just like, okay, I'll lay down over here. All right, I'll do my bed stay over there. Yeah. All right, I'll come when I call you. Just you know, chill. stuff like that. Just Just kind of chill with things. In her mind, there was more training to do. Right. But getting back to what does the human need? Right. Where's it inhibiting your life? Right. Mm -hmm. Now we got to the bottom of it and she has interest in, in, in kind of doing like some rally obedience work and things like that. And, and, you know, some like dog sport kind of stuff and everything. Hell yeah. Right. Yes. To answer your question then. Right. We do need to establish some engagement and we knew we do need to establish some communication and some motivation so we could teach some of the behaviors necessary for rally obedience. Yeah. Right. We got to the bottom of it. We figured out what it was. But we have to have now uh, uh, flipping this back to her here. We have to have a North Star. Right? We have to have a goal of where is it that I'm at right now and where is it that I want to be. Right. Yeah. And it sounds like right now that um, this girl here is not 100% certain on where that is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the first thing I would say is you have to create a list of these are the things I want to be able to do with my dog. Mm-hmm. Right. That I feel like I cannot do. Yeah. Right. From there, the second step of this equation is looking at that list then and asking yourself, do I want to be able to do these things because I actually want to do these things with my dog? Or do I want to be able to do these things because society tells me that I should be able to do these things? Mm. Right? Yeah. Case in points. A lot of people, I want to be able to go to a dog park. Right. Half of these people have no fucking interest in ever going to a dog park in their life. But because their dog has, quote unquote, dog aggression issues. Yeah. And they see all their friends go to their dog park. Right. And they feel like right now that that's an unachievable thing for themselves. They put it as a goal on there, even though they have no intention of ever doing it. Yeah. Right. So it's like, don't don't worry about it. Right. Don't need it. Same deal with like, you know, like we'll see some people that have dog aggressive dogs. Right. And they're like, I want to socialize my dog right with other dogs right and i'm like okay um you know i'm i'm team have a social outlet for your dog and i ask him i was like where do you where where do you need to socialize your dog at they're like well i don't know we don't really ever have anybody come over the house and we don't go to dog parks right and we like have no interest in having our dog meet other dogs out on a leash and like you know none of our family members have dogs and this and that and it's like okay cool so Basically, what you're saying is there's really not a need to worry about socializing our dog too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. My dogs, I don't take my dogs to go socialize them all the time. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I don't take my dogs to go, um, you know, play with other dogs constantly. Like, they hang out with each other. Yeah. That's it. Right? And, and, Every once in a blue moon, we'll have like a friend that'll bring a dog over, but it's like literally almost never, right? Yeah. Like Brittany will bring Henry here every like once every like four months, yeah. you know. <laughs> and uh, Alex and Paul bring Charlie over. Like, I think I think they've literally brought her over here twice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Like ever, right? Yep. So it's like there's not really there's not really a need for that, yeah. right? So I don't worry about doing tons and tons of socialization with my dog, mm-hmm. right? Now some people have family members that had like 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 there's there's people i can think of that like girls got a a sister that has a dog and they're constantly getting together with each other and they want to get the dogs good with each other Mm -hmm. that's a goal right and if you feel like you can't achieve that yet that's a goal that we could strive for at that point Mm -hmm. you know what i mean 
But you got to look at that list as far as what are the goals that we actually have here right now. And you need to look at which ones are actually applicable to my life, Mm -hmm. right? Like which one of these goals that I feel like I can't do right now are things that I genuinely really want to do all the time with my dog that's going to give them a more fulfilling life, right? So you got to look at that also, right? Mm -hmm. So so to to give you a direction as far as the training is concerned, that's what I would look at is your, your list of goals and you need to clearly outline where are the problems and where are the goals? From there, we can create plans as far as how to get to those goals, right? Mm-hmm. From there, as far as the training methods are concerned, you know, I'm a believer in balanced training, right? I'm a believer mm-hmm. in using a little bit of everything, right? Yeah. But I'm understanding that everybody's situation is slightly different and everybody's needs are going to require different things, mm-hmm. right? So, so from there, you need to look at your your goals that you have, right? And you need to look at then what methods are going to get you to those goals in a timely fashion enough that you're okay with. Yeah. Right? So so let's say one of those goals is I want to be able to take my dog for walks and have it not react to other dogs, if that's still a problem, right? And I don't have all day to do it. I live in a busy city where there's dogs everywhere and I can't Mm -hmm. avoid them very effectively, et cetera, et cetera. You're probably going to need a balanced training approach, Mm -hmm. right? You're probably going to need an approach that's going to involve you suppressing that reactive behavior enough where you can get some headway with it so that you could actually get past the problem pretty quickly, right? Let's say you live in fucking, I don't know, Montana or somewhere where there's no dogs around, (laughs) right? And you see one dog every week at the park, you know what I mean? And like... It's, you know, you're in a field and you can get super far away from them and you want to use a force-free approach or you want to use something like just a head halty with a force-free approach, which is kind of like a new trend that I've seen lately, right? Mm -hmm. That's fine because you can manage that so effectively that like if the dog like has one explosion a week at another dog, it's not really going to be the end of the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you want to avoid corrections that bad and you can manage that behavioral issue that well, right, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. So so you got to look at your goals and you got to figure out what training program. Right. Is going to be conducive to getting past these problems the fastest. Yeah. Right. And in a way that I'm OK with. Mm-hmm. So so these are the ways that I look at these types of situations. Right. And from there, you got to find a trainer that you trust. Right. Because, yeah. listen, there are some trainers out there that are balanced trainers that are kind of just like abrasive people. You know, there's balanced trainers out there that train similarly to how we do. They use food. They use uh, uh, corrections, right? Mm -hmm. They use different tools and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, their personality is just, like, there's, 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 like, no emotional connection with the human or with the dog, right? And it makes everybody feel a little uncomfortable when they go to it. And it's, like, nobody, they don't feel like that trainer has their, their or their dog's best interest at mind, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so, like non-emotional and stuff like that and regardless of if it actually works with your dog you're not going to trust that process and trust that person to guide you to the end goal 100 you know what i mean where you know uh there's the same with uh some four street free trainers out there Mm -hmm. that are you know way too emotional and way too in the dog's uh you know kind of Mm -hmm. best interests and not enough in your best interests right and they're going to blame everything on you and it's going to discourage you and feel like you can't get past things 
right? Then there's the balance trainers that do the same thing, <laughs> yeah. right? Where they have the dog's best interest at mind and they're trying really, really hard to do things so, so nicely, mm -hmm. but they're avoiding your immediate goals that you have, yeah. right? So as you're looking for a trainer and you're looking for resources and stuff for this, you need to find somebody that you feel like you jive with with stuff. That's mm -hmm. very important as well. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday that called that um, has a, I think it's like a Doberman and the dog, I think they picked up from some like, some abusive situation, right? Whatever. And she's so, so hesitant on using new collars, which I understand, right? But she also knows, because she's done force-free training for a long time with this dog, mm -hmm. she knows that she needs something else, right? Yeah. But this, this woman is going to need a very, very gentle human to help guide them through things. Yeah. They're going to need a gentle human that has the owner's best interest in mind, the dog's best interest at mind, right? And is going to be uh, 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 delicate with how they apply all of the information in a way where the dog and the human can like emotionally withstand all of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that from the standpoint of like, you know, balance training without that is like this like harsh, horrible thing by any means, right? But like there's already so much emotion behind trying this approach mm -hmm. that we have to ease them into it. Yep. Right. So that they could really see firsthand, um, what, you know, how this is going to impact and benefit their life. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. so so a lot of it comes down to then the person that's coaching you, you need to feel like you feel safe around them. Yes. You know what I mean? You need to feel like you feel safe and that um, they are going to help you and help you both physically with the dog as well as emotionally through the hurdles that you're going to face as you're working through rehabilitating some of these issues yep that's a lot of it yeah it's a long rant there man <laughs> so so listen i'd love for you to send me some more information as far as what's going on with your dog um uh and um you know obviously we could we could help you out with uh with answering those questions a little bit further obviously from there yeah I really, I really like your, your point on, on the goals, you know, mm -hmm. like I think a lot of people do get that confused of, do I really want to do this or am I doing it because it just seems like the popular option or it helps someone else like, like the dog park thing that you talked about. I think that's such a, a good retrospect, you know, to, mm -hmm. Do I am I really going to take my dog here? Or do I really want to do these things with my dog, or is it just because I think that that's what is society says that I have to do, or whatever? Mm -hmm. So I, I I just thought that was a really really good point that you brought up. Yeah, I mean we'll see that sometimes for sure. Is is you know some people create these goals for themselves that are not in the best interest of their life. They're just mm -hmm. things that they think they should be able to do with their dog. Yeah, yeah. you know. And I think there's a lot of that out there right now. There's so, so. much of it, you know, and you got to help people get to the bottom of that sometimes and mm -hmm. help them recalibrate their goals a little bit. Yep. You know, it's interesting, like the higher and the more extreme you set your goals to be, you know, sometimes the the less victory it feels like you get because it takes you so much longer to achieve them. Right. Yep. Or if you set yourself realistic goals, right, and you set yourself goals that like this allows me to do a lot more with my dog, mm -hmm. right? But isn't like shooting for the moon, you yeah. know, if I have this crazy like man eater of a dog or something like yeah. that, you know, you could find yourself enjoying your dog a lot more just from doing that. Exactly. So, yep. interesting. Man, that was a long little spiel there. It was good though. <clears throat> it, it needed to be said. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I have answered you on the podcast. <laughs> That's what I'm saying.
All right. So moving on to the next thing here. Okay. So, man, that took way longer than I thought. We're already 40 minutes. Yeah, I know. Jesus (laughs) Christ. Okay. So we'll, we'll see if we can kind of roll through some of this here next. And I'll see if I can keep the answers a little bit shorter, obviously. So I got an email, or I should say I got a DM from a girl, Adele, um, on Instagram a couple of days ago. And Adele has, um, she's doing doing a project. Again, I don't know all of the details as far as what specifically the project is, obviously, but it's on under-socialized dogs, right? Okay. She did a survey, I think, on, on some people um, just for regular dog owners, and then she's reaching out to dog trainers to get some further insight into things, right? So we'll roll through this. So I'm going to read this email, and I'm going to get into some of these questions. We'll kind of see what we get with this. So Adele says, hello, David. This is Adele. I am the student that reached out to you on Instagram. Before anything, I thought I should share a bit more about the project and how your help would come into play. I'm currently researching for my self-initiated final year project on under-socialization in dogs and looking for ways to encourage acceptance for them and their parents to be more comfortable and confident in the pet community. However, I can only see from the perspective of the parent with an under-socialized dog, hence I'm reaching out to you to gain more insight from a professional point of view. This would be presented as my research and reference. Through my presentation and design report that helped me draw out sensible conclusions to craft out my design solutions and approaches for this project. Below is a list of seven questions that I would like to gain more information on. Question number one. After responses from my survey, I found that some parents tend to forego training because of the lack of time and finance. So I was wondering if it was possible for parents to re-socialize their dog without professional guidance or training. If yes, are there any tips or advice for parents wanting to promptly re-socialize their dogs? What are some things these parents should never do? Okay, so the first one, this is going to be the most loaded of all of them. I kind of briefly read through these questions yesterday. This one is kind of broad. and, And again, getting back to like the question we just answered here. Context is so important with this because here's the thing, Mm -hmm. right? Under socialization can look like so many different things. I mean, under socialization could just be a dog that's just like a little fearful and skittish around people. And like Mm -hmm. when guests come over, they kind of hide in a corner, right? And, uh, (laughs) you know, with other dogs, they kind of just like, I don't know, just kind of give them a side eye and walk away and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Under socialization could be dogs that take that fear and display it in reactivity, right? Um, And and making a big, you know, making themselves seem really puffed up and and tough and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And barking out at people, obviously. Under socialization can be uh, dogs that actually have aggression issues, right? Which aggression I define as intent to do harm, right? Like yeah. wanting to actually bite your guests, right? Wanting to bite other dogs or attack your guests or attack other other dogs, right? So without knowing that, it's hard to clearly answer the question as far as is it possible for them to re-socialize these dogs without professional guidance, right? Mm-hmm. I would say nine out of ten times, there is a lot that can be done on your own, Right. The problem is there's so many variables to these types of situations, right? Mm -hmm. Every dog is to some extent an individual with things, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning that their issues are going to be stemmed from all sorts of different variables of triggers, right? Yeah. So um, first thing that I recommend is if you can't get full professional help with things, right, your, your, your 
next best thing that you would want to look for is if you could provide, you could get some virtual guidance from somebody, mm-hmm. right? So I do virtual consoles, for example, right? I charge $150 an hour. I hop on Zoom with somebody. We could spend an hour going over all of their problems that they have, and we can come up with adequate solutions or things that they could start doing immediately that will help improving on those problems. Mm-hmm. Now, is that as good as... Um, somebody coming into the facility for a 10-session program or doing a four-week behavioral modification board and train program? No, because there's a lot more we're going to be able to do hands-on with the dog, obviously. Mm. But 75% of the training is for the owner, not the dog, right? 75% of the training is them understanding their dog and understanding the concepts of why their dog is displaying the behaviors that they're displaying, right? And when it comes to bites in particular, if we're referring to those types of things, 90% of bites that I see are usually provoked bites, meaning Mm. they could have been prevented like that, right? Very infrequently do we see dogs that seek out aggression and go up to people and intimidate them and bite them, right? Nine out of 10 times, dog is scared, right? Dog is trying to keep the person away from them, and the person is not being respectful of that, which is why the dog ultimately bites. Mm. Now, that's not all the time, right? But most of the time, that's what I see with these types of things, right? Obviously, professional training is expensive, right? Mm -hmm. So doing you know, hands-on training with a trainer in facility, it's going to be pricey, right? Mm -hmm. I I am totally empathetic to that. Also, training does take some time, but back to what we were just discussing with the last person's question, if you're taking the right approach with things, some of the things that you need to do aren't necessarily things that you're adding to your daily list of responsibilities where it's like, I need to add an hour of training a day that I could do with the dog. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is just changing some of the things that you're already doing with your dog, right? But all of this comes from understanding your dog's behaviors right so uh, again virtual support is going to be kind of your second best thing like that yeah third best thing from that is just finding one person or one source that you know and trust because there's so many different mentalities out there on training everybody's program is designed in a certain way everybody's philosophies are given in a certain way so you don't want to go like get something from this person get something from this person get something from this person you want to pick one person you trust that puts out a lot of information on how to work through these issues right Mm -hmm. and you want to start digging into that information on your own and educating yourself as best as possible on the dog's behaviors, right? Um, We put out a lot of stuff as far as how to avoid dog bites, right? We put out a lot of stuff as far as how to socialize your dog with other dogs. We put out a lot of stuff as far as best practices for setting up doggy play dates with your dogs, all those types of things, Mm -hmm. where if you just educate and read a lot of those types of things, you could really get a lot of headway with your dog. Oh, yeah. Right? Right. So, uh, yes, it is possible to do this without professional guidance or training, depending on the severity of things. Mm. If you have a dog that's an actual risk, right, that there's possible possibility for injury, whether with dogs or whether with people, um, my recommendation is always find professional training for that. Or if you are going to attempt to do it on your own, you have to do it 100% safely, right, utilizing yes. a muzzle or something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, if yes, are there any tips or advice for parents wanting to promptly re-socialize their dogs? Again, education first, right? Find a source where you can get yourself the education that you need as far as what your individual situation needs in order to be successful with the mm-hmm. uh, with the socialization. Mm-hmm. And then implement it in a controlled manner, right? And mm-hmm. implement safety protocols as needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some things these people should never do? Um <laughs> Again, hard questions to ask without yeah. context, right? Yeah, but sure. in a nutshell, forced socialization is the worst thing you could do. What I mean by that is, again, say a guest comes over, right? Guest is here, right? And my dog's apprehensive of new people, right? They're under-socialized, yeah. right? 
the worst thing you could do is allow your guests to just pester your dog, mm. right? So a lot of people have a guest come over. They're like, oh, I love dogs. I'm a dog person, <laughs> right? Dogs love me, whatever. And they'll yeah. see the dog in the corner just minding their own fucking business, right? And they'll just like take it upon themselves that I'm going to make this dog my best friend. And they just won't leave the dog alone. They'll constantly go up to him. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Oh, here's a cookie. This, that, blah, blah, blah. Hey, it's okay. It's, you know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. they're just bugging the dog. And in the dog's mind, they're like, listen, I'm, I'm not cool with this situation. I'm nervous. I'm just going to put myself over here. Mm-hmm. But it's like every time they try to get away, this person is still trying to bug them. Yep. You know? Yep. And what happens is that builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up <clears throat> until a bite happens. Yeah. Right? So, so make sure you prevent forced socialization like that. Same concept as uh, if your dog is scared of other dogs, right, and they're trying to stay away, we'll see a lot of people put the dog on a leash, and they'll physically take the dog over to the other dog to try to get them to go say hi. Yeah. Again, you're forcing the dog into a vulnerable <clears throat> position. Yeah. We have to understand that, like, consent with dogs is important. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if we want to interact with a dog or our guest wants to interact with our dog, our dog has to be okay with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. If your dog's giving you signs that they don't want anything to do with this right now, you have to be respectful of that. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's one of the best things you can do is let them slowly acclimate to these situations mm-hmm. as opposed to forcing the situations. Yep. Right? Uh, question number two. What are some things parents should look out for when handling their under-socialized dogs? Are there any situations parents should avoid putting themselves in? Um, yeah, I mean, again... Context is everything with these things. I keep saying that, but it's like it's it's hard to answer these kind of general, general questions with stuff because mm-hmm. every situation is a little different, right? Um, but things to look out for. Obviously, stress signs out of your dog, right? And and I'm primarily any of these answers I'm giving are primarily referred to like when you're actually socializing these dogs, mm-hmm. right? So so stress signs, right? If my dog is interacting with a new person and they're giving them weird looks, right? Their body yeah. language is changing, they're stiffening up, stuff like that. Just leave, leave the, let the dog do their thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Be aware of your dog's state of mind. Be aware of energy changes that you'll notice, mm-hmm. right? Like we'll see some dogs go through these spikes and they'll get really, really fearful and then they'll get really, really excited, right? And we look mm-hmm. at when they get really, really excited is like, oh, they're happy. Everything's okay. Not necessarily the case, mm-hmm. right? A lot of dogs that are fearful will get themselves into this like self-confident building adrenalized state of mind that will kind of embolden them to then bite or start reacting and stuff like that. Mm. So we always want to see the neutrality with things, right? Yeah. If I see my dog go from really, really scared to really, really excited, I'm still going to keep my eye on that and I'm going to wait till that energy simmers down and the dog just seems neutral more than anything, mm-hmm. right? So those are going to be things that I look for. As far as taking your dog out and about to different environments, um, obviously you you need to understand that when you come to socialization with dogs, there's only three types of socialization that you could do, right? People, dogs, and environments, right? And I typically will try to never combine two of those, right? So mm. if I'm going to socialize my dog, my under-socialized dog with a new dog, mm. I'm not also going to be letting them socialize with people in that moment. Meaning mm. if my friend brings a dog over and we're doing a play date, me and the friend will not be interacting with the dog. We'll just be supervising the situation. Oh, if okay. I'm socializing my dog with a new person, 
right? Mm. I'm not also going to have some new dog in the way. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If I'm taking my dog into a brand new environment that they're stressed in, I'm not going to be letting them interact with people or dogs in that situation, mm -hmm. right? So if I go to the park, right, and my dog's mm -hmm. stressed out in the park and I want to get them used to the park, I'm not going to let people or dogs come up to them because they're they're getting used to this environment. Yeah. Like this environment alone is overwhelming for mm -hmm. them, right? So things like that can be very important as well with this kind of stuff. Um, are there situations uh, parents should avoid putting themselves in? Um, unnecessary socialization, right? Out on the walk. Out on the walk is one of the worst places you could socialize your dog. You mm -hmm. don't want your dog meeting people or dogs on the walk for so many different reasons. We have an entire blog post on our website about it where you can get all the information as far as why we don't do that. But it's one of the most vulnerable places you could put them in because since they're on a leash, they can't really get away if they start getting stressed out, mm -hmm. right? So it's kind of, a, it's a forced socialization, yep. right? Question three, other than consistency and commitment, how should parents maintain the sociability of other dogs? This is an interesting one because it's not the answer most people would think. Hmm. The answer to this question is less is more, right? People typically will get a dog and when that dog is social or they get that dog to a place where they're social, they overdo it. They will socialize that dog out the wazoo, right? <laughs> they're taking that dog to every freaking park. They're taking it to every family function. They're yeah. setting up play dates every other day with the dog, and they mm. just do too much. And what happens is the more that you do, the more possibility there is for an issue. And then the second an issue happens, you set yourself back big time. Yep. So I look at socialization like we do our socialization to get the dog to a place where they're social, right? To get them to a place where, okay, my dog's pretty cool with new environments, pretty cool with people, and pretty cool with dogs, right? From there, you're just doing maintenance socialization, meaning I'm not trying to overdo it and do it all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm just like every now and then, let him play with the dog. Yeah. Every now and then, let him meet a new person, you mm -hmm. know, just to make sure we're checking the box that it's not going away, but I'm not doing a ton of it. Yeah. So that's one of the best ways that you can maintain the sociability of their dogs. Uh, in addition to that, again, controlling the situations you're socializing your dog in, meaning only socializing your dog with people or dogs that you really know and trust and that will take good direction mm -hmm. because you know your dog best. Again, the example we described, if your dog's hanging out in the corner, you have a guest come over, you need to know that your guest is going to respect you if you tell them, hey, you need to leave my dog alone right now. Mm -hmm. Right? They're uncomfortable. Yep. Um, so those are some ways that you could, uh, you could help with that, obviously. Question number four, are there dogs that know how to interact with under-socialized dogs? What makes these dogs capable of doing so? This is a good question as well, actually. Is, so, actually. So these ones are actually pretty good. So here's the thing. I talk about socializing dogs, and I talk about the dogs that I socialize dogs with yeah. as separated into three categories, right? I have social dogs, which are the dogs that nine out of ten times are not going to pose any sort of threat to another dog. If the other dog is giving signs that they don't want anything to do with them, they'll typically be respectful of those. They're not going to fight back if that dog starts aggressing out towards them, et cetera, et cetera. We have our supervised dogs, which are... Not aggressive monsters necessarily, but with the right kind of bunch of scenarios that present themselves, an issue could happen. Mm -hmm. And then you have your un you have your non-social dogs, which are basically dogs that are we're either unsure about how social they are or dogs that there is a possibility that there's gonna be a problem with this dog or a stronger possibility there's gonna be a problem with this dog. Um I only will socialize a under socialized dog with a truly social dog. Right. That way I could keep my attention on my under socialized dog. I know I'm not going to have an incident with one of those dogs I'm socializing them with where that dog goes after them and 
you know, again, sets things back quite a bit or anything like that. And, uh, you know, getting into do they know how to interact with the under-socialized dog? Like, I think yes, right? I think dogs are, are way more in tune with each other than we give them credit for. You know, I think that the language of how dogs interact with each other is so much deeper than we understand as humans, which is why I say we are only here to try to interpret what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. So one of the best things you could do is if you see things that you're unsure about, right, you see them kind of acting funny with each other and stuff, instead of jumping right in and intervening all the time and letting your emotions come into play with things, one of the best things that you could do is just let it play out a little longer and see what it turns into. Yeah. You know, because yes, I do believe that they know how to interact um, the way that they need to interact to help that dog come out of their shell. Yeah. Under the assumption that you're using truly social dogs. Yes. Question five. Can two under socialized dogs interact with each other? Are there any situations where these parents should be more alert? So, again, context is everything with this. In my opinion, can they? Yes. Should they? No. no. Right? If you have two guests, right, or you have you got you and a friend both have a dog that you would deem to be under socialized, it's probably not a good idea to put them together. No. Right? Because they're if they're under socialized, they don't have a healthy balance of how to read each other's cues and understand what each, what each other needs because they're both gonna be of the state of mind of defend themselves. Yeah. Right? So, so yeah, typically that's going to be a situation to avoid. The only exception to that situation is obviously multi-dog households. You know, yeah. like sometimes there's cases where it's like multi-dog households, like two of your dogs are under socialized, but they live together, so you kind of have to get them to get along. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit different of a situation, but that's something that would be looked at under professional guidance, and, and you'd have a good safe plan for how to handle that. Yeah. <clears throat> Question six, from your experience, have you seen parents who ever get a little tired and frustrated trying to care for their under-socialized dogs? How did that occur and play out? Um, yeah, it's frustrating. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we just talked, like th this whole podcast is kind of like under the, 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 the guise of like, yeah, having dogs that have problematic behaviors is frustrating, man, Very, especially yeah. when you don't know how to work through it. Right. And especially as you experience roadblocks and hurdles and you come to certain realizations that like, you know, dogs have limitations with things. Sometimes they're only going to get so far sometimes certain things, depending on their severity. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And then when you look at like, there's so many different philosophies of training out there and I don't know which one to pick and this and that, like it can be so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So the best thing you could do is in my case, like when I notice my clients are getting frustrated by stuff, cause it's normal right? Like you're working through all sorts of different emotions as you're mm -hmm. going through the training process. Just be there to support them. Yep. Right. You make the goals easier to obtain, right? You make the things you're asking them to do a little bit more simple, right? Yeah. You show them success in other ways, right? Yeah. You, you, you just help support them and figure out really what is the goal we need to achieve right now to help them feel like there's roadblocks. It's funny, you know, like, um, um, <laughs> you know, okay. Get, going back to our boy Dave Ramsey, right, and how he has you know <laughs> the the baby steps and the debt snowball. He yeah. has all of that created because the process of going from being in debt to debt free is such a long, daunting process. Man, really it can is. be so frustrating, it can be so stressful, right? Mm -hmm. So by having these check boxes and incremental steps along the way, mm -hmm. what happens is you could have little victories, even though you're not all the way there. 
right? You could continuously yep. celebrate a little victory. Oh, yeah. So I try to create those little victories for my clients along the way, especially if I know this might be a little bit of a difficult process for you. I'm going to create these really clear goals that I know we're going to be able to achieve in shorter spans of time as we work towards the big goal. Okay. So that's how I help them with this kind of stuff. Yep. And the last question, question seven, it could be a constant struggle to live and take care of under-socialized dogs, although they are very much worth it. Is there anything you would like to say, give tips or advice to these parents who ever get a little bit tired and feel like giving up? So, so all of what we described leading up to this is the tips that I would give them. Really what it comes down to is understand your limitations as far as your knowledge of things. And if you really want to get past this kind of stuff, I know the first question was like, you know, training is obviously expensive. It's time commitment, this and that. Sometimes if you really want to get past this stuff, training is your option. You really need to seek out training. Yeah. Right. Second thing. You need to trust the trainer that you're working for or trust the person you're getting guidance from. Meaning, Mm. do your research on testimonials. Do your research on before and after videos. Do your research on their philosophies. Make sure you align with the things that they're saying. Make sure those things make sense to you, Mm. right? So that you find yourself a qualified person that will be able to help you with so that you don't run into the trap that a lot of people run into the trap of is they find the cheapest trainer that doesn't have any reviews, mm-hmm. that doesn't have any video evidence <laughs> that they've been able to work through these issues, yep. and then they feel like they tried training and it didn't work, and then they do just get rid of the dog, Yep. right? You need to find somebody that you can align with that actually is going to be able to help you with these problems. Um, you need to have realistic goals as far as the things that you want to be able to do with your dog, right? Again, mm-hmm. if you have a dog that's an absolute dog killer, right? You're probably not going to be socializing your dog that often all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe the goal at that point is just, can I get my dog neutral around other dogs? Can I take him for walks and have him not freak out when they see other dogs, right? Can I have him in the backyard and have him not bark at everything that walks by, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. you know? So you got to set realistic goals and then you need to make sure you celebrate the victories along the way. Yep. I think as long as you do that, shouldn't be any problems. Nice. What do you think, Josh? It's great. I I really am excited to. Hopefully, she sends you like her paper or whatever. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious what this winds up turning yeah, into. Yeah, but those are actually really really good questions. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. For sure. So hope that helps. Um, hope this helps everybody a little bit with uh, you know dealing with this kind of stuff. I think those mm-hmm. both of those two people and and their questions that they had kind of go hand in hand with each other a little bit. Um, so I think all of that can provide some information for people that are currently struggling with mm-hmm. um, under socialized dogs or dogs are having a hard time setting goals with and, and yeah. just don't really know where to go with things. Yeah. So yep. hope you guys like it. Uh, if you guys have questions or comments or things we want to talk about, send them in and we will be happy to uh, answer them. Yeah. Until next time. Have a great day. <laughs>